Welcome back to part two of the four-part interview of Building Businesses and Investing in Real Estate featuring Jason Mattern. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. And we're back, and, and Jay, what's this in front of us, huh? Well, you well. know what, on that, on that note, <laughs> you're probably not ever gonna come to my house on a day that's 30 above and not drink a beer yeah. with me, so cheers, cheers. everybody. Yeah. Yes, I do have a beer every once in a while. That's good stuff, that's good stuff. So here with my good friend, Jason Mattern. Jason, uh, you're the owner of uh, Tri-Urban Real Estate, CEO and owner, principal owner. You've invested in properties yourself. You've also, um, you know, you've, you've coined a, a, a little bit of kind of a strategic map for people of how somebody can potentially get own a, pro, a portfolio of properties free and clear. And, you know, the rough numbers is shaking out around 15 years that it's, mm-hmm. it's coming through and it's around with some new construction properties. But you're actually doing this yourself is kind of the way that you're doing this yourself. And you're proving this with almost like a, a live case study. So maybe just share with everyone what uh, what your thoughts and your plans and, and what the strategy is and how does how would someone be able to take care of that themselves or okay. do it themselves? Okay. Well, the strategy is stupid simple. It's pay for it as fast as you can. Yeah. And I think you know the old-fashioned way. It's actually the old, pay for it. Pay for it. Yeah. yeah. I know the leverage game, and you know what? I think there's a time for that. And you know we may be getting into that market situation. We'll have to see what happens. There's a lot to iron out, but where you can get, uh, you know, into a market where you can see capital appreciation, you know, uh, coming, it's a good time to maybe play the leverage game. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you still have to pay for these things. You don't get the cash flow from them unless you pay for them. And if you decide what that number is, we can now select a property and match it to your lifestyle and pay for this thing in roughly 15 years. Mm-hmm. The methodology or the method behind it is, again, simple. It's uh, buy property. I never touch it. I never touch any equity from mm-hmm. it. Uh, you don't refinance a property after you bought it. I do not refinance. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. They learned that lesson the hard way. I learned that lesson, yeah. right? And it's, you just, you know, increase your timeline, I guess, that you have to pay for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, I don't take any equity out on it, yep. right? I buy a property that is low maintenance, and I look at a property as uh, looking at, we've talked about this, like a, mm-hmm. a window sticker in a car when it yep. says 36 miles per gallon. Okay, yeah, right. You know, on a on a day like this, uh, driving across Saskatchewan downhill with a slight tailwind. And, you know, there's uh, speed and hills and, you know, weather that contribute to car. Well, that same thing in the real estate side is, you know, vacancy repairs and maintenance and your management costs. Yeah. And the more we can eliminate and mitigate those variables, the better our properties perform. That said, you know, I prefer the slow, steady route. There's no doubt I can buy properties that perform better on a monthly cash flow basis. And you know what? For those of you that have the time to take care of them, I'd recommend buying them because they will accelerate it even faster. But for me, the times I got kids in sports and I'm a busy, mm-hmm. I'm a dad, I'm a, you know, and I got lots to take care of, as you can see. And I love taking care of this stuff. Yeah. I love driving my John Deere tractor around and yeah. mowing grass, you know, so it's, it's got to kind of compute to that. But the, the second step to that is I make a yearly payment every year. Yeah, a lump sum uh, over and above. Over and above my yeah. payments. And you know what? Some years it's been a little skinnier, but I take cumulative cash flow. 
I stockpile it. Yep. And then what happens is I kind of run our portfolio like a condo manager would run a reserve fund study. I yep. kind of look a year ahead or five years ahead and say, okay, I'm going to need money here, here, and here for whatever else, yep. right? Maybe the neighbor uh, mentioned he wants to do a fence and I got to allocate $3,000 for my share. I set that money aside and whatever's left, I keep a reserve on top of that. And by what I, uh, a reserve, I would say three to six month operating cost is reasonable in my eyes, mm -hmm. right? I keep that on hand. Anything else I put on pay down. Yep. And, and there's accelerate been, the pay And down. accelerate. And it helps people. It absolutely helps. I know, you know, some years I've only been able to do a 500 or a thousand, but I still do it. And it just decreases your amortization overall. And as we've mentioned before, the real benefit of owning real estate comes when you have the mortgage paid for, you still own the asset, and away we go. And it's just music to my ears with the, with the wind chimes blowing through. So at the end of the day, I, I say this to many people is, you know, truly, we're, we're only renting the... Pro Until you actually own it and have it free and clear, you're actually only... You're a renter. You're renting the money from the bank. And then you're in turn putting another renter in the place and hopefully the rent they pay you is greater than the rent you have to pay to the bank plus all the business expenses. And you're, you're truly just paying it down. You don't own it until you actually have it free and clear. True. Yeah. But, you know, on the flip side to that, it's like, you know, we as investors have other people paying our mortgages yes. down for us. So it can't get much easier, in my opinion. Now, you got some stuff to manage with that. Yeah, you got to come up with down payment money. That's all part of the sequence. But, you know, the long term benefit of having someone else yep. pay down your mortgage. Yeah, and you've been sense. and you have managed during arguably downtime in the market. Like down like when I've had conversations with some people and they're saying that man cash flow has been really bad. I've had cash calls. I've had to do this, that or the other. I have to do that with my own portfolio, some of my older stuff. You've managed to do that during a really soft time in the marketplace that you've managed to actually accelerate the payment down. Yes. And that's 100% based upon because you haven't had to dump in money into maintenance. You shared some numbers with me where you were actually the black and white numbers when you were, because you still have some properties in your portfolio that are, you know, the 30 and 40 year old. Older ones, older yeah. Older ones. Yeah. And you have some brand new ones. Mm -hmm. Maybe just share the split of, you know, how many new versus how many old. And then you shared a, a maintenance number that just floored me with, and it was like, you're looking at your books for almost like a year and a half or two years almost. It's not even close for us. Yeah. The, you know, uh, the money that we save by owning new construction, it's not even comparable. And, uh, you, you know, we're talking ratios, uh, probably 50 to one. Mm -hmm. maintenance costs on this side versus this side, right? And that's the reality of it, though. When you're buying an older property, they take maintenance. I'll contribute some of that, too, is actually the tenant profile that you attract. Right. You know, our older properties, uh, and some of them are older townhomes, 30-, 40-year-old townhomes. No disrespect to the tenants. They have needs and, and uh, budgets and stuff that they have to live within. But one step up of a tenant profile yeah, just it seems to work better for us. Again, it's something that's probably you can't pinpoint on the individual, but it's worked better for us as an overall because it, strategy. It, you eat your own cooking because it fits with your lifestyle, right? You know, as a guy who's full time in this business, you could, if you wanted to, go out and get a big giant apartment building and been there, done that. <laughs> a couple, yeah. Time. Yeah, a couple of those. You could do an entire project and do a big giant development and things like that, which you are doing a lot of those kind of things too on the side to make the money. But you're choosing to keep your assets and the properties you hold as the nice, slow and steady, eventually will get paid off. And then you can live off of that to that tune of $40,000 a month. 
Yeah, and I'm not saying so. That's kind of level one. That's mm -hmm. step one yep. in uh, you know the the modern plan or the modern evolution yep. of what I know. My family. I've got two children. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to provide for the people that I'm going to know in my life, and that probably equates to my kids and my grandkids, and hopefully my great grandkids, if I can make that difference financially or start. Mm -hmm of that asset base for them, but that's step one. So yep. once I get there, we'll see. I have zero intention of slowing down is not the right word, but you know, removing myself from the business. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's easy for, I don't even think I work to be honest. It doesn't even feel like I work. Yep. I mean, I, I absolutely love what I do. It's easy for me to get up, you know, in the morning and, and go deal hunting, deal hounding and, yep. and deal with people. And I love it. So once I get to that point and I've got things paid for, yep. I know there's a big check mark, and now I can reevaluate and move forward accordingly. Yeah. Right. Now I can test to that as I was sitting here setting up. Jason was on the phone, and I know he's right in the middle of thought when he when he starts pacing. He gets on the phone and he's pacing and he's talking deals and and all that and, and that wonderful stuff. You're 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 actively involved in deals all the time, whether it's your own or whether it's <clears throat> other people's things like that. And that's what keeps you keeps you alive in uh, and keeps you keeps you expired to keep going, right? Yeah, because at the end of the day, it all comes back to home, doesn't it? Well, it all yeah. comes back to home, and it, it comes down really, Russ, like the money, all the money aside, because it's what you like to do, it's what you want to do, it's what you're good at. Mm -hmm. I think every one of us have a God-given talent mm -hmm. that resides inside of us that sometimes you don't figure it out right away. I know I didn't, mm -hmm. right? I chased several shiny things before I was finally come full circle and I know what I love to do, and I and I'm really good at it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard for some people to go bang on a door and talk to someone you don't know. You know what? It's quite easy for me to talk to a stranger mm -hmm. and talk and hunt deals yep. and negotiate. And so, where are you in this whole plan that you you identified with the 15? You know, potentially free and clear in 15 years this is what yeah. we've coined it a little bit. Yeah, you're five years in, aren't you, right now of, of that, or is it a little? Uh, six no, or we're so? we're six, seven years in, so we're yeah. about halfway. Halfway, on that. yeah. And are you right on target to potentially having that portfolio free and clear? I would say we're a little ahead of schedule. A little ahead of schedule. A little ahead of schedule, and that's basically nothing other than doing good in business and yeah. being able to contribute extra. We haven't done anything out of the ordinary as far as you know maintaining the properties or the portfolios or mortgage principal reduction as far as the payments themselves. Mm -hmm. It's just we've been fortunate enough to make a little extra money that we've been able to chisel down a little bit faster. Right. And then so you do a little bit of a snowball too. You, you pay off one property, don't you? And then you start taking them the, all the surplus cash flow from that and then you take it to the next one. And you target, don't you target the highest interest rate ones? Or It just makes sense. I yeah. think if any... Uh, you watched any of the Susie Orman shows yep. or anything like that. They, it's no different with this. You tackle the, the most ugly one first, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as interest rate wise. And, you know, it just, it, you're right. It, it turns into a snowball yeah. effect. How do you analyze this? How do you keep track of, if you're on, do you have a scorecard or spreadsheet or how do you, how do you keep track of this? Whether if you know you're on target or path or, or do you just know, is it all up here or do you actually have some systems and processes and all that kind of stuff? All of the above. Yeah. Of course we keep, uh, I keep, a spreadsheet myself. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's just me. I'm the quick glance guy. I don't study the shit out of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got to make sense. And I sit, I like to glance and I make decisions very quickly based on that. Yeah. 
you know, we've got things in a in an internal system as far as bookkeeping and uh, even some analytic keeping of, you know, uh, records of rents and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's got to be accessible mm-hmm. and it's got to make sense. And I think, you know, if you talk to my wife, for example, she looks at things completely. She thinks my spreadsheet is old fashioned and archaic. And yeah. Dinosaur. A dinosaur, okay. you know, it's, but it works, yeah. right? It works. And, you know, you're a, you know, competitive guy and there's the fire still in your belly. And as the leaves start coming down here, we, uh, you're, you're a hockey player from way back when, right? So played the Flin Flon Bombers and that, <laughs> all that wonderful stuff. Don't, don't let this mild mannered, cuddly teddy bear fool you. If you ever get a chance to, uh, you know, that, that. <laughs> there's a many, uh, you know, sometimes you don't have to use the, the hands, but if they're ever there, you, you're able to protect the family, protect the house. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. I think my fighting days are long over. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to say I'm turning into a lover, but I, 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 can't, I can't testify to Tracy, that either. Tracy, yeah. <laughs> uh, So, okay. So the next round of questioning I, w- I want to do is, so you've been an entrepreneur essentially forever. You've, you've, have you ever had a job? You know what? When I was in school, I did. Yeah. When I was uh, still in high school, I, I had a job. I've never worked by the hour mm-hmm. in my life. You know, you're unemployable. Of, of, yeah. <laughs> I am completely unemployable. Uh, I don't sit still well. Yeah, I could never be cornered. I think into an office environment where I'd have to sit still for eight hours a day. Where you couldn't drink a beer and wear shorts and, and well, come home when you need to come home. You but know, at the same time, you're, you're sometimes you're there till midnight. Yeah. On, on the flip side, it's it's when it's go time, it's go time. Yeah. And I have that mentality. It's like a fire alarm. When it's go time, you. And thankfully, you know, my family's understanding of that mm-hmm. and. We've got that ability that, yeah, sometimes I got to work uh, or have to work you know, on a weeknight or, uh, and sometimes I can, you know, spend the morning with my family. Yeah. It, it balances out. Yeah. Right? And when you, I know for a fact, when you, when you get away, you get away. If something's burning, maybe call me. Someone's bleeding, maybe. But when you get away, you get away. Right. Well, you know, if it can't wait a day or two or a week, yeah. I'm probably not your guy. Yeah. And I mean, I think everyone has to do that, Russ. Yeah. I think you need to recharge, uh, We've got a place that we like to go. You know, it's in northern Saskatchewan where the fishing is fantastic and the water's crystal clear. Yeah. And oh, the, everything's golden up there. It's golden, <laughs> yeah. It's in Saskatchewan, right? The bugs are about this big, but, you know, there's no internet. Yeah. There's no cell phone t- uh, service. So yeah. it just completely forces a guy to unplug and yeah. enjoy life, yeah. right? So I'm going to take a round, round of questions that, because um, there's a lot of people that might want to do this real estate game full-time, mm-hmm. right, as full-time entrepreneur. And it's not as easy and as glamorous. It's not, it's not you're making it rain every day and there's cash everywhere and you're not in front of your Lambos and, and, uh, and jet planes and all that kind of stuff. But what would be some of your best business advice that you would offer to people in the realm that they have people that are focused and serious about real estate? What would be some of your best business advice you'd offer? Never take your foot off the throttle. I don't think you can lose. Mo- this is not a business where you can lose momentum. So if you want to take a six-month break, that's fine. You have to make sure you have the systems in place that things keep rolling while you're not there. Yeah. And that's the whole point of having a business is setting up the systems and the people and everything so you can take a month off and things keep rolling. Probably better while I'm not there actually, right? So <laughs> it's all good, but... You know, and I, I think of that and just being sure that it fits, Russ. That's a lesson that took me a long time to learn. And, you know, because I'd looked at the opportunity money-wise. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's, that is super important. 
you know, but when you acquire that asset, and I always tell people going and buying and again, finding the deal and, and negotiating, that's the fun part. Mm-hmm. You get a high off that. It's literally, and then yep. someday all of a sudden you, you close on it and someone hands you a set of keys yep. and then that's where the rubber hits the road. What the hell now, all right? Now, <laughs> exactly. So that's where, when that happens, you have to make sure that it fits with your lifestyle mm-hmm. and, and contribute to what you're ultimately going. And I think, you know, in closing on that point is before you get started, know where you're going, right? I don't know how much more simple to say it is you have to have that target on the wall and you do not take your eye off that target and you contribute to it some days this much, some days this much, Mm -hmm. every day. It just, it just, that's the goal. Is that one of the reasons why, because you see the benefit and the value of it, is that one of the reasons why you put people through a fairly rigorous um, questionnaire program before they actually will go out and write an offer or you wanted to make sure that you're putting the right person into the right asset. Yeah. And you know, on, on a, absolutely you, you need to understand what mm-hmm. they want and if you can help them or not. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, we do a lot of research and uh, you know, a, a lot of effort and a lot of undivided attention to give people mm-hmm. to help them get what they want. And if I ask some questions that I guess seem offensive or not offensive, I'm just trying to make sure that, you know, maybe they're sincere. And secondly, they know what they want. Yep. And I've seen all over, I've seen people come and sit across me and say, you know what, I want to buy 10 properties in three years time. And I have $3,000 to my name. Yep. And make, make me a hero. Make me a hero. <laughs> you know, and I've also seen people that sat there and had $500,000 literally cash and wanted to buy one property. Mm-hmm. But you know what, this guy over here actually did it. Yeah. This person over here, you know, had the money, had the means, everything, but they just either let people get in their head. They didn't have that clear plan mm-hmm. and weren't able to pull the trigger on it. Yeah. And Russ, that's the hardest step. You and mm-hmm. you and I have been there. Yep. The first step of working through buying a property, getting your getting the tenants in there and just getting your books set up. Once you get to that, you know, you can start adding, I'm not gonna say easily, but in control. Yeah, there's some right? there's some heavy lifting up front. Like anything in life. Physically There's, and yeah. emotionally and probably emotionally, more than anything, right? But especially in the realm of new construction, once you do get one's under management and you get a good tenant profile and things start rolling, it does slow down a lot more and you're able to, quote unquote, sit back a little bit more, manage it a little bit more. Back to the, the conversation, you, you use a, a saying all the time and and. I don't know if I've ever asked you this question and and I'd like to hear your perspective <laughs> okay. on it. So he doesn't know where this is going, no. but but you have a you have a saying that uh, anytime you're going to make a decision, you always will say, I'm going to sleep on it. Let me sleep on that decision. What is that? What does that mean to you when you say that kind of thing, when you're making a, a very important decision? What does that mean for you? Good question. Yeah. I, I, I use that a lot. Yeah. That is an absolute requirement that I sleep on a decision and I literally sleep on it. Yeah. I come home, I forget about it and I have a good rest and I don't know how rust, but when I wake up in the morning, I got the old gut and heart feeling if it's the yep. right or wrong thing to do. Yep. And I follow that for all intents and purposes. I mean, there's maybe situations where, you know, you draw more caution, you need to sleep on it again, but mm-hmm. you know, in business, you know, the world has gotten information travel so fast nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of good deals out there. And a lot of times you have to react quickly. Mm-hmm. And I get it. 
but that's just not me. Yep. If it can't wait overnight and let me sleep on it and make sure that when I wake up in the morning, I'm at ease mm -hmm. about it and it fits and I even want it more. Yep. Okay, great. Yep. A lot of times it's the opposite. I wake up and I'm like, you know what, this after sleeping on it, and, and you know what? Being completely truthful, mm -hmm. sometimes... No, please lie to me. Okay, no, all right. <laughs> sometimes I say sleep on it, but yeah. sometimes I lay awake in my bed mm -hmm. for probably two hours in the middle of the night, yep. staring at the ceiling, mm -hmm. thinking, yep. right? And you know what? I'm a little tired the next day. I shake it off, have a nap, whatever. But for whatever reason, that's when some very, very clear thoughts hit me. And it took me a long time to realize that and it's shitty on one sense because I'm tired the next day, yep. but you know, this is a bad habit and I'm not saying everyone should do it, but you know, I, I keep a notepad beside mm -hmm. my bed yep. because if I can wake up and I can get those thoughts out of my head quickly, you know, and I've even got a little voice recorder that I just, yep. you know, quickly use just to get that thought out of my head and then I can get back to sleep. But right. past that, you know, there's been many a night where I've laid awake two, three hours a night thinking right. about it, right? But you also use, don't you also use how well you sleep as when you're thinking about something? If you actually have a, a really good night's sleep, it's actually a sign too. 100%. Yeah. Yep. If you wake up the next day, if you've, you know, tossed and turned and wrestled, it is actually there's, your intuition is telling you something about this as well. I think unknowingly, Russ, and I don't know how all that works in one's psychological brain. Yeah. And I'm, you know, far from qualified to talk on that, but yeah. I know me. Yeah. And I know when I have something underlying that's bothering me, yeah. I don't sleep well. Yeah. You know? Now, you, you, and this is something I take from you, and I'm still not, I'm not even close to being perfect with it. I'm, I'm probably still a little bit of a wimp when it comes to this. And that is, you know, if there's an issue and there's a problem, deal with it head on. Don't let it fester. Don't wait it out with some of these things. If there's something bothering you or something on your mind, you say it, right? Did that come to you just based upon who you are as a person or was that a, just something you learned over the years or did you get burned? How did something like that come to you? You're one of the best I know at this. Okay, thank you for yeah. that. Uh, I think it just goes back to that last point. I know when something's bothering me. Yeah. I don't sleep well. I feel it. I feel tight. You know, I don't and, and I'll tell you, if Jason loses sleep or it impacts his appetite, you know, it's bothering you, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> hey, man, I'll be, I don't, I'm not one to miss a meal, that's for sure, right? But, you know, I just don't like that feeling. Yeah. And I don't think you have to have it because I've seen, you know, so many circumstances, not only personal, you know, within our family and friends over the years and in business too, that dealing with it sometimes is, or sorry, not dealing with it yeah. is sometimes the worst thing you can do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything in this world that we can't deal with, right? I've had to have some super tough conversations with people before, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, uh, Again, if you just lay the cards on the table and you look at it and get all your perspectives and, and you come up with a plan, there's nothing that we can't deal with, Russ. Yeah, yeah. Right? and I had somebody that just shared something that was quite profound is every problem has a solution. And if you can't see the solution in the problem, you're the problem. Yeah. Right? If you really think about it, that's quite profound. And it's not because I just said it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's 100% it's true. Yeah. All right. So we're going to just reset the cameras one more time. After this, uh, in the next segment, we're going to have a conversation about resiliency, about maybe some challenging times or some mistakes that we maybe have made a few things that we've, we've bumped up against. There's some people dealing with some things right now out there. You were instrumental for me of dealing with something I've dealt with about you know, starting 
about two years ago. I'm about two, two years, two and a half years into a five-year plan of cleaning things, uh, a few things up. We're going to have a conversation about building that resiliency, fixing some 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 challenges, and then that's what we're going to talk about the next segment. You good with that? Absolutely. All right. Okay. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.